Hey, fear not Christmas. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine a, a week ago, and he asked me what I was preaching on. I said, well, I'm preaching on a fear not Christmas. He said, when you get that written, can you send that to me? And I said, I certainly can. So I wrote it out and sent it to him because, uh, you know, fear is huge right now, of course, in people's hearts. And um, I thought Christmas is a time when people were told not to fear. And so we're going to take a look at uh, the shepherds and Joseph and Mary and how God gave them specific instruction not to fear. We're going to learn from them and apply it to our hearts because there's a lot to be afraid about. But those of us that know Jesus, then obviously if we know the Lord and his promises, the Bible says that we do not have to fear anything. But before I get into this message, let me ask you this question. What is the best Christmas present It's a broken drum because you can't beat it. (laughs) What did the ginger man, the gingerbread man put on his bed? A cookie sheet. (laughs) sheet. How much does Santa pay for that sleigh? Not a thing. It was on the house. (laughs) So I got a great knock-knock joke. Of course, when you say knock-knock, what are you supposed to say? All right. So knock, knock. Merry. Merry Christmas. Aren't you glad we can still say Merry Christmas? That's right. Christ is the reason for the season. Praise the Lord. It tells us in Luke's gospel, chapter two, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, peace. Well, that's the opposite of fear, obviously, isn't it? To have peace in your heart. I was thinking about that word peace, peace on earth. And of course, peace is a person. It's Jesus Christ. And uh, there's a little uh, statement about this. And I think we're going to put it on the, on the screens here for you. No Jesus, no peace. See that? No Jesus, no peace. But if you just change that a little bit, no Jesus, no peace. Peace is a person. It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I I remember when my children were little and they'd be afraid at nighttime and they'd be in the crib and they'd be afraid. You come running to them and they'd reach out their arms to you. And as you gathered them in your arms, they would relax and their fear would melt away because they're in the presence of somebody that have flesh and blood. Well, it's the same way in our relationship with the Lord. We get afraid about things, and I want you to know that we can reach out to him, and knowing him, know Jesus, know peace. So peace is first a person, but peace is also not simply the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of God. The presence of God. In his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there is pleasure forevermore. When you have his presence on the inside of you, I tell you what, that makes all the difference in the world. Knowing that God is with you, that God is on the inside of you, that his presence is there. There's been times when I've been praying and I've been troubled about an incident or troubled about a circumstance or a situation. And I'm in the, in prayer and all of a sudden I become aware that the Lord is there. I can feel my heart strangely warmed on the inside of me by the presence of God. And that presence of God just melts away the fear. So fear is, excuse me, peace is first a person, Jesus Christ, 
But peace is also the presence of God. And peace comes our way. It comes our way when we unconditionally trust in the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 38, we have the story of Mary and Gabriel's visitation. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. When she unconditionally trusted or surrendered to God, peace came into her heart. Many times we fight God. We resist the Lord. We try to control things. But when you trust God, when you give it to God, when you surrender the situation to God, when you give that person to the Lord, when you yourself are no longer at war with God, but learn how to surrender your heart, your life, your future into the hands of God, that's when the peace of God comes into your heart and you can know that. I believe fear is really faith in the what ifs. We're supposed to have faith in the Lord, faith in the word, but fear is faith in the what ifs. What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if I fail? What if the economy falls apart? What if my loved one dies? What if, what if, what if? And as you dwell on those what ifs and then begin to believe in those what ifs, fear fills your heart. They say that anxiety is fear that remains with you for a long time. You know, fear might grip your heart suddenly, but anxiety is something that is just there, constantly there in your heart. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. In the book of Philippians, it says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about anything. That pretty much sums it all up, right? We're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be anxious. We're not supposed to be troubled. As believers, we're supposed to be believing as believers, and our trust is in the Lord. The Bible says if you place your trust in the Lord, then the Lord becomes a strong tower, and the righteous can run into it, and according to the scriptures, be safe. I think about my strange fears. They say, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. And I have some strange fears that I developed as a, as a boy. One of them was the fear that if I didn't cover up my ear with the bed covers, that a witch was coming, going to come into my room and chop off my ear. And of course, that's irrational. A lot of fears are irrational, isn't it? I have a fear of vomiting. I do everything not to vomit. My wife, she has no fear of that. If she just gets a little sick, she just goes, and there it is. It's all done, but not me. I, I will fight the urge for, for days, for days. And then finally, finally, it's like this huge issue in my life. I now have decided I'm going to give in to it, and I'm literally, it's like walking the walk of death because I had this irrational fear, don't I, of that. I had fear as a little boy of a witch coming in and chopping off my ear unless I covered it up with my bedspread. Now, it never dawned on me that if that witch really would come into my room, uh, he or she could easily just pull the covers down and chop off my ear. But I had another fear as a boy, a fear of the monster in the closet. And that fear stuck with me for quite some time. And I remember going, and it was night time. My parents would say, go get your jammies on. And i go to the closet door, and I would just stand there. Because I knew if I opened it up, there's a monster on the inside. 
and I'd stand there with seemingly for, for five, ten minutes trying to muster up the courage to open the door because a monster was in there. And sure enough, when I opened up, there never was a monster, but that fear was in my heart. That's why sometimes I'm late to church. I can't get dressed because... Uh, <laughs> The fear of monsters. We could have all kinds of fears, right? God said, do not be afraid to the shepherds. Listen to what it says in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, verse 10. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Do not be afraid or fear not, right? In other words, fear not, I bring you good news. And that's what I'm telling you today. A fear not Christmas. Fear not because I am bringing you good news. And that's the gospel, which means good news, that Jesus came, that he lived among us, that he suffered and died, was buried and rose again. He ever lived to make intercession for us. He's a wonderful savior. If you trust in him, you shall be saved. You can't beat that good news, can you? So fear not, I have good news for you. In the midst of all the bad news that's out there, And I tell you what, if you hear enough of it and think enough about it, fear is going to grip your heart. But let's put all that bad news aside. Jesus is on the throne. God loves you. The Holy Spirit promises to be in you and with you and abide with you forever. If you're a believer, your name is written in the book of life. Heaven is your ultimate destination. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God or are called according to his purpose. So I have some good news for you. Do not be afraid. Jesus is Lord. Amen to that. But the angel also came to Joseph. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Well, what's the fear not there? Fear not, because this is my plan, Joseph. This is my plan. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to take this virgin to be your wife. She's pregnant, but it's okay. It's my plan. This is my grand scheme. This is my plan. This is my purpose. Everything's going to be okay because I'm working it out. And that's my message to all of us tonight. Not only to the shepherds, fear not, right? Because I bring you good news. But to all of us here tonight, just like they said to Joseph, fear not, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And if you belong to the Lord, you are in his hand and you are in his plan. And he has planned things for with a purpose in your life. The Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah that he does not have thoughts of evil towards you, but of good to give you a hope and a future. Thank God for the good plans and the good will of our God. And I can say, do not be afraid. His plans for us are good plans. Amen. But the angels also said, do not be afraid to marry. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Fear not, Mary, because my favor is upon you, and it's for life. My favor is upon you, and it's for life. 
Oh, the favor of God. The favor of God is the grace of God. It's the free love of God. It's the idea of the attitude of blessing. It's the hand of God upon you for good. The favor of God rests upon you. It is for life, the Bible says. It opens doors for you. It causes people to say yes to you. The favor of the Lord never departs from you. Because of his divine favor, you are more than a conqueror. Thank God. You know, a lot of times we fall out of favor. Maybe at work, we fall out of favor with this or that and all kinds of relationships. But if you know Jesus... You have found favor with God through Jesus Christ. And God, your Father, has an attitude of yes, an attitude of blessing, and his love is unconditional and it lasts a lifetime and goes into eternity. Somebody say praise the Lord. So fear not. God's favor is for a lifetime. Fear not. His plans for you are good. Fear not. I bring you good news. Jesus died and rose again and is your loving, wonderful Savior. Amen to that, right? Fear not. Fear not. Why do you fear? Well, Mary, obviously, she was afraid of what God was asking her to do. She was afraid of her own inadequacy. I'm sure she thought to herself, who am I? I'm just this young girl. I'm not special. I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. I can't handle it. Sometimes we feel inadequate. Has God ever asked you to do something that was too great for you to do? Or too difficult or challenging for you to do? Or has God ever moved in your life and asked you to do something that you just felt your inadequacy concerning it? I'm sure that's why Mary was afraid. She felt inadequate. What a task. Mary, the favor of God is with you. You have been chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. And wow, what a calling. What a plan for her life. And uh, she's just this young girl. I know there's times when God has asked me to do certain things and I felt so inadequate and so ill-equipped. And I'm sure you have as well. And it produces fear. Insecurity always produces fear in our heart. And this sense of inadequacy, I'm sure, produced an insecurity in her. And so she's afraid. But the angel said, do not be afraid. And I'm here to tell you, if you feel insecure or inadequate, like you can't handle what's before you, sometimes it's that way, isn't it? We're in a circumstance or in a relationship, and it's... It's above us or it's beyond us. And we realize it's out of our control. And what are we going to do? We're going to have to trust the Lord. We're going to have to trust the Lord. Well, what about Joseph? Well, he was afraid of disapproval. He was afraid of what people might think of him and of his wife. She's pregnant. They don't understand that it's a virgin birth. They would somehow think that he compromised his faith, became immoral by sleeping with her before they got married. And I was talking to Sama, 
my, my great, uh, uh, great uh, missionary friend to Egypt, and he was talking about a number of years ago, they have a, a clinic there in, in Egypt, and they, they minister to any that would come. It's very poor there, and they would offer free dental and free medical care, and uh, talked about this one girl that came. She's just a teenager, and she wasn't feeling well, and the doctor examined her, decided to give her, she wasn't married, decided to give her a pregnancy test. And it came back that she was pregnant. But she wasn't married. And, of course, the doctor, the clinic, they were Christians there. Sam and ran that clinic. They had to inform her parents. And, of course, Egypt is a little bit different in America. And they had to inform her parents. And her parents did not take it well. They were Christian in name. So they weren't Muslim, but they were Christians in upbringing, the parents were. Did you know they took her? And two weeks later, this young girl disappeared, never seen again. Never seen again. Think about during that culture, those that were caught in adultery or sexually immoral were stoned to death. There's Mary, pregnant, not knowing a man. The angel comes to Joseph and says, fear not. That which is conceived to her is of the Holy Spirit. This is my plan. Take her to be your wife. And the fear, the fear. What would people think? What would people say? The Bible says that the fear of man brings a snare. The fear of the future many times brings a snare. It just captures us and holds us in bondage. What about the shepherds? The Bible spoke to them. The scripture spoke to them to not fear. And they were afraid of change. What does this mean? These words, to go and see this, sudden change, their plans change, their future change. You know, we don't like change. We don't like change. The only person that likes change is the one that's initiating it. If you're not initiating it, you don't like change. We get comfortable, right? Many people, I know exactly where they're at at church because they sit in the exact same seat every service. It's comfortable for them. They don't want any change. And if somebody happens to be sitting in their seat, it, you can tell it just grips their heart with fear. Oh, my gosh, I might have to sit across the aisle. What will that be like? <laughs> of course, my wife and I sit the same place all the time as well. <laughs> so what am I saying, right? What can I say? We hate change, don't we? They say pastors, pastors initiate change all the time. But the only problem is if somebody tries to get the church to change and it doesn't originate from their own heart, they hate it as well. Nobody likes change. And the shepherds were the same way. You become fearful when circumstances are outside your control. You feel at peace when you feel secure or safe. You become fearful when you feel insecure. So Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, they had all kinds of fears. And maybe as I went through these things, maybe you can identify some fears in your own heart. Fear about the COVID, fear about the economy, fear about the future, the fear of failure, the fear of a person, the fear of change, inadequacies and insecurities about how you're going to handle this and what will happen if that happens. And you're placing your faith in the what ifs rather than placing your faith in the promises of God. And you're dealing with fear and the fear resides in this long term. It simply becomes anxiety. It's like you're living with a low-grade fever that's just Every day is wearing you out. What is the antidote to fear? How can you have a fear not Christmas? Well, let's talk about Mary, Joseph, and shepherds, and let's learn from this. 
Mary found peace through her surrender and unconditional trust in God. When you surrender to God's plan, peace comes into your heart. When you trust God, that's when peace comes into your heart. A great illustration of this, obviously, is World War II. When did we find peace in World War II? When the enemy unconditionally surrendered. That's when there was peace. Unconditional surrender always brings peace. So it is with the human heart. When you surrender, when you make an altar before God and say, God, I lay down my life. I take up your plan and your purpose. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You make a great exchange. My life for his life. My plans for his plans. That's when all the struggle comes out of your life. I heard one preacher say this, talking about struggling, and we fight God. And we struggle against the Lord sometimes and struggle with life. And he says, I tell you what, you'll get peace when instead of struggling, you start snuggling. In other words, you just get close to God. You just wrap your arms around the Lord and say, thy will be done. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was struggling with the plan and purpose of his heavenly father, Lord, if it is possible, let this cup, the suffering, pass from me. But then peace came into his heart. Angels were sent and ministered him and strengthened him. When? When did that happen? When Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I want my husband to be, but not my will, yours be done. Lord, concerning my job, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Whatever that person might be, or whatever that situation might be, you simply have to give it to Jesus. You have to surrender. You have to stop working it so hard. You have to give it to God and simply say, not my will, but yours be done. Somebody say amen to that. Mary found peace when she surrendered to the will, plans, and purposes of Almighty God. Stop fighting God. Stop struggling and start snuggling. Stop wrestling and start nestling. Stop fighting and start surrendering. Stop fighting God. Do you need to do that in your life tonight? You've just been fighting and resisting what you know God would have you do. It might be in a relationship. You know God would have you apologize. Or it might be on the job. You know God would have you not compromise with your faith on the job. It might be with your finances. You know God would have you give charitably or give generously to the church or to Get your finances under some type of order and structure and get out of debt. You just know these things, but you're just fighting it because you want your way. And I'm here to encourage you, stop fighting God. Give up. Why do we raise our hands in worship? Because when the enemy is captured, what do they do? They raise their hands. They surrender. They surrender. Get your hands up. Surrender to God. And peace 
will come into your heart. The strife, the war, the fear will end and peace will come into your heart. That's what Mary teaches us. But what about Joseph? Joseph found peace when he listened to the voice of God and stopped listening to the voices of fear. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? 24-hour cable news, I guarantee you, if you listen to CNN all day long, or Fox News all day long, or CBS all day long, or you read the New York Times all day long, I guarantee you, you're going to be filled with fear and also filled with frustration and anger. Am I right about that? Because you just fill your heart with that sort of thing. You got to start listening to the voice of God. Start reading the scriptures. Listen to the promises of God. Encourage yourself in the Lord your God. You know, Those news channels are not writing the final chapter. God's in control. He has a plan. If you belong to him, it doesn't matter what somebody might do out there. The Lord is in control of your life. He's guiding and directing you and providing for you. He promises to make a way for you even when there seems to be no way. In times of great darkness, he'll shine a light. In times when there's a flood, he'll get you through that flood. He'll part the sea and take you through on dry ground. God can get you to the other side. He can get you through the valley of the shadow of death. He can enable you and strengthen you to overcome whatever situation or circumstance that you're fighting with, resisting, or having fear over. God is able to do that. And that's the message of Joseph. Stop listening to the voice of fear. There's a lot of fear out there. And the Bible tells us in the book of Peter that fear has torment. It will torment you. It'll bring a snare to your life. It'll hold you in bondage. Who wants that? Thank God for the glorious liberty that is ours as the children of God that we can, in the midst of darkness, know him shine our light, be filled with love, and have confidence that God is working all things together for good. Well, what about these shepherds? Let me give you a little story about a little bird named Chippy. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and Stuck it in the cage. The phone rang, and as she turned to pick it up, all of a sudden she heard a (laughs) chippy got sucked in. Oh, my gosh. The bird owner gasped and put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, and opened the bag, and there was chippy, still alive but stunned. (laughs) You would be too, right? Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced him to the bathroom and put him under the faucet and turned on the water full blast, cleaning Chippy off. Well, Chippy was held under that running water, then realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird odor bird odor would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pad with hot air. Poor Chippy. Never knew what hit him. (laughs) A few days after the trauma, the reporter who'd initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Chippy doesn't sing. (laughs) 
Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from the stoutest heart. We're like Chippy, aren't we? We got all the polarizing political division. You got the racial strife. You got the COVID. Then we got the Delta. Now we got the Omicron. It's all over the place. We're like Chippy. We don't sing much anymore. We just sit and stare. (laughs) But listen to these shepherds. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The shepherds found peace when they praised the Lord. The Bible says that God inhabits our praises. There's something wonderful that takes place when a believer lifts up their voice and sings. When we sing in the darkness, when we sing in the storm, when we sing in the tragedy, when we sing with our tears, we offer the sacrifice of praise and we offer the sacrifice of joy and God inhabits our praises. The Bible says praise is beautiful. Why is that? Because people are lifting up their hands and lifting up their voice and from the heart exercising faith. When you worship God, you're saying God is. God deserves my praise. God is greater than me. Praise is what? Magnifying God. You're lifting him up and exalting him. You're magnifying him. And sometimes we need with our praise to make God bigger than our problem. Oh, the problem might seem big and looming, but when you praise the Lord, you multiply or magnify God and God becomes bigger. If faith is the antidote to fear, then praise is the antidote to panic and worship is the antidote to worry. We need to lift up our voice and not be like Chippy, overcome by everything that's taking place. We need to have a song in our heart. We need to sing like a songbird, right? Because God is and he is worthy of our worship. Somebody say amen to that. What did Jesus do in the hour of darkness? The Bible says that that last supper, Judas was sent out to betray him. Jesus, knowing everything that was to take place, the betrayal, his arrest, his scourging, his crucifixion, all that. It was the hour of darkness. Satan seemingly was winning. What did Jesus do? Well, according to the scriptures in Mark chapter 14, verse 26, at the end of the Last Supper, you know what Jesus did with his disciples? The Bible says he sang a hymn. He worshiped. He worshiped knowing all that was to take place. He worshiped with his disciples. He worshiped knowing the future. He worshiped in the sense of all that darkness. He sang a hymn. They say that the hymn he probably sang was Psalm 118. I just pulled out a few of the verses of Psalm 118. It says this, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. Can you just picture Jesus singing Psalm 118? The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. 
This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. If Jesus can sing those verses, Psalm 118, the night in which he was betrayed, in the hour of darkness, how much more can we sing right now on Christmas Eve, knowing that he won the victory, knowing that our salvation is assured, knowing that we are on the winning side, knowing that Christ has come and is coming again. We have him, we have his word, we have his spirit, victory is assured, we are triumphant in Christ, we need to sing and worship and praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So fear not. Joseph found peace when he listened to the voice of God. Mary found peace when she just surrendered to the will and purpose of God. And of course, the shepherds found peace when they praised God. How about you? Are you ready to surrender your life to God like Mary? Are you ready to lay it down before the Lord? Let's bow our heads tonight. Let's bow our heads tonight. You're here, and every single one of us has a story to tell. We're all in the circumstances of life. Challenging circumstances, perhaps even dark circumstances. Whatever the situation might be, you're here. And what better time at the end of 2021... To say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I am going to unconditionally surrender to you tonight. I don't know what 2022 has in store. More darkness, more sickness, more tragedies, more testings. I don't know. But what I do know is I've just placed my life into your hands. And that's the best place, the safest place to be. With your heads bowed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want every single one of us to surrender our lives to God. Let's get rid of that fear. Let's know Jesus, the Prince of Peace, through our surrender. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus... I surrender my life into your hands. I want to follow Jesus from this day forward. Dear Lord, give me your peace and give me your joy. I receive you tonight as my Savior. Forgive me, Lord. Of all my sins, I trust in you.